Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning and welcome to Owner Life Radio. I am your host, William Eastman, program manager for the station. Uh, today's show is part of our ongoing series for the Green Industry Pros magazine. We're writing a series of articles uh, in 2018 on growing your own managers. And notice how I put that pause in there to have you thinking that we're going to talk about something different, something related to nurseries or horticulture and landscaping. I'm not. And by the way, this is for anybody who runs a small business, uh, especially for owners to consider what do you need to do to grow your business. And so let's take it from there. Okay. Um, I'm going to start this at the very beginning. Now, the article is around how do you, um, how do you grow your own business? The article for the podcast is going to be, how do I create a self-directed, self-managing organization? And really what this is about is owner mindset. Uh, And this is a topic uh, that has been part of my consulting journey where I'm trying to take concepts that I've learned and practiced and seen within corporate, large corporations in the United States and and internationally and take those concepts down to small businesses. Um, some of those things transfer pretty easily. Some of them don't. Some of them need to work on. This is one that you can take in situ. This is one that you can take just as is and say, let's apply it to running a business. And so what this really means is imagine if you ran a company that you were able to put on autopilot, that for the most part, unless something dramatic happened, either external and controllable events or something out of the ordinary inside that is controllable, the business is going to run itself. And that's what we need to get to because what where most business owners are in, in small companies, especially ones under a million dollars, is they're doing everything. And when you do everything, nothing really gets done. Uh, more importantly, and I think Michael Gerber hit this very well in E-Myth about 20 years ago when he said that uh, the challenge of most businesses as they grow is getting the owner to stop working in it, doing the work, and working on it. And so I'm going to take that premise and move that forward to say – what must you do to make that company self-direct and run itself, and but it's running the way you want it to run? So the first thing you got to overcome is this issue of loss of control by owners. And what happens with a lot of owners is they run businesses that we would call hub-and-spoke operations, where the owner is the hub and all the employees are spokes, and they take their day directing everybody what to do. Now, if you look at the subject of span of control, what you know is that someplace between seven and 10 people is the maximum number of individuals or departments that one person can run. Uh, because if they're awaiting your orders, what happens is by the time you get to the last group of people, you're already, what, halfway through the day? And you have people who are basically earning checks who are not earning those checks. And so the owner has to begin to change its how they control the business. And typically what you see in a quick overview, and I'll handle this in some other shows, is that the owner pulls them up themselves up one level and hires some supervisors to then come in and run the work. And if that's successful and if they put the processes in place so that they know that what they plan to have happen is happening, then they can pull themselves 
themselves up another level and bring in a level of managers who manage the supervisors. So that's the basic premises based upon is that number one is the owner is never giving up control of anything. They're simply changing what their control mechanisms are. So let's take let's take what re what's required here. Okay. Number one is that self-directed and self-managed organizations require a real-time measurement system. If you don't have a way of measuring the things that are critical within the business, and when I say real-time in terms of you're able to get a snapshot anytime you want, then you really can't tell where it's going, and most owners then get nervous, they get nervous, then they get involved in the business. And then what happens is that they're working in it again. So number one is how to create a real-time a real measurement system um, so that you know not only are we making progress, but when we achieve the results. Number two is that owners got to stop thinking like owners and they got to start thinking like executives. Your job is not to do the work of other people. It is rather holding your direct reports, your managers or your supervisors accountable for earning their checks. And what happens anytime there seems to be a problem is the owner steps in and what they wind up doing is they wind up taking that over and telling people what to do. Look, if you hire them to do the job, make them do the job. And the way to do that is that is to work with them to help them to arrive at better decisions. Work on the thought process of how they're going to solve the problem rather than telling them what to do. Okay. Now, let's go to the bottom of the organization, supervisors. What's the real role of supervisor? Supervisors are there to manage the people doing the work with established processes. If you haven't built processes to say, this is how in the landscape business, this is how we're going to do landscape maintenance, or this is how we're going to do turf, or this is how we're going to do design build, or this is how we're going to do irrigation, or this is how we're going to do snow, then there's no way that you really can get out of it because you're constantly going to be looking over the show of the supervisors, and rightfully so. Uh, we call it at Greenmark, we call it the standard operating procedures. You can call it whatever you want. But the owner knows how this should be done. So this is basically a brain transfer. The owner's brain on a sheet of paper, and this is where we put our stake in the ground. Now, two or three years from now, we may be upgrading those. We may be improving them. But the bottom line here is that the owner takes what they know to standard operating procedures for all the important parts of the business. And then that is what they manage supervisors to do. Are the supervisors holding people accountable to follow those processes? And when those processes need to be improved, the owner is helping the supervisors improve the processes. Supervisors are to be managed um, to be measured on efficiency. What you're looking for is if I send you on a job, most jobs have a work order or some document that says, here's the materials, here's the labor hours uh, that you must achieve. Now, if you're really an enlightened owner, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, you also give the supervisors what gross margins need to be on a job. Um, I would do that, but you don't have to. But here's the bottom line. You estimated what the materials are required. You know what equipment's got to be on the truck. You know how many people you got in the truck. And then you challenge your supervisors to, number one, meet the budget. Are they getting it done at that level? Then as you begin to grow the company, one of the things you can do is do the 10% challenge. And that is to challenge supervisors. Can they go out there and with a little less material and fewer labor hours get the same job done? So what they're doing is challenging the process without compromising the quality of the work, safety on the job, or 
dissatisfying customers. And I think you'll find that that 10% is typically laid out easy. Let's move up a level. You got supervisors doing that. You put those processes in place. This is how you're measuring the supervisors. You bring in now a level of managers. And what are the manager's job? The manager's job is to manage supervisors on how well they're enforcing that. So now the efficiency um, concerns are no longer the owners. The efficiency concerns are now the manager's concern. And what are we managing managers on? On results. Now, I can tell you that in most large corporations, the CEO in a billion-dollar firm is not down in the weeds. They're looking at the vision heads, and they're basically saying, people running lines of business, are you making your numbers? This is possible in a million-dollar small business. In fact, it may be possible in three-quarters of a million-dollar business. And the only reason I picked those number levels is typically in a half-a-million-dollar company, there's not three layers of management. There's only two. But that's the role of managers. And I'm going to get to a little bit about the dynamics of that next. The owner's job is to pay attention to the near future by looking for threats and opportunities where the company can prosper regardless of what uncontrollable events come your way. In other words, the owner, when the owner is working on the business and the processes are put in place and everything is running, the owner's job is to say to themselves, what's going on in the immediate environment? And when I say near future, I'm looking a couple quarters, maybe a year ahead, but nothing more than a year to say what threats are on the horizon or right in front of us that are going to disrupt how we do business. It's going to impact our customers. It's going to affect uh, uh, how we make money, taxes, regulation, et cetera, that I need to shift the country company over to so that that event, when it sweeps through, it's going to take out my competitors, but it's not going to harm us. And on the positive side, I'm looking for opportunities in the marketplace um, where I can grow the business. So, for example, it's forecasted that in the United States, we maybe see we might see 4% or greater GDP growth. Well, that is a great opportunity for any landscape owner because what does that mean? Greater discretionary dollars. People have more money to spend. The threat is that with the rising economy, labor is going to get harder and harder to find, which is one of the focuses of the series is we're not going to deal with getting the landscape technician. What we are going to focus on is growing your own managers so you don't have to go out and hire them. Okay, And then the last one I have on my list before I tell a little story is that the owner has created a culture of performance results and teamwork. Those are the three critical issues. In other words, you've got a job to do, do your job. Um, if, you're in a, if you're in a process job, I measure on efficiency. If you're in a, in a job that's responsible for multiple processes, I manage you on results. And the focus on all this is teamwork. Um, and the, and the, where I get the teamwork idea is this, is that if you, uh, if you were in a drone, and you could look down at most businesses. Most businesses move like crabs. Each leg seems to have a mind of its own. And instead of moving in one dedicated direction, the crab seems to wander all over the map. Why? Because they cannot harness the resources in the firm to pull in the same direction. And that is where the owner has to create this performance results in teamwork. And one of the things that they do is that how do they use strategically use meetings to do that and how do they manage those meetings or don't manage those meetings. So now that I've given you the overview of it, let me hit you on a, let me hit you with a story and I'm going to highlight this. So um, imagine you're at the window looking out, you're in your office, it's spring, you know, it's a couple months away, but it's spring, things are turning green and um, 
you're the owner of a landscape company called We Own It, which is an interesting name. And we'll talk about uh, naming later. And your thoughts move to golf. And you realize that it's been at least five months since you had your last round of golf. And you haven't hit any balls. You haven't been down the driving range. And you know that you've just got a lot of cobwebs in your game. So you're thinking about, God, I got to get to the golf course. And today is Thursday. And what's significant about Thursday in your business, it's reports day. And so what happens on reports day is that if you have an administrative assistant or somebody helping you, they bring them to you. If not, you just print this out of, out of your software yourself. But you're looking at your CRM, which is your customer relationship manager, which manages marketing, sales, and service. And you're looking at your project uh, software which is telling you how your projects are going. And so you start with your marketing sales report. And the first thing you're looking at is marketing effectiveness. And marketing effectiveness has to do with how many quality leads are you producing um, per week or by campaign. And in this particular case, the person you got doing marketing for your firm, um, and they're working with an outside vendor, so it's kind of a mix here, is that you're looking at a new social media campaign they put together and they've identified 10 really high quality leads. These are businesses that you should be able to close. And you're looking at um, property managers for commercial properties. However, you're also looking at the cost of sales and the cost of sales for this is kind of high and you're going, wait a minute, are we doing nothing more than just buying business? So that tells you if there's something that you take, need to take a look at. Uh, number two is that you're then looking at uh, your sales for the week and what you're finding is pretty good news is that your ratio of closed leads um, to lead, uh, closed deals to leads is improving. In other words, it used to be 20 to one. You had to get 20 uh, leads into the funnel to get one sale. And now you're noticing the numbers around 15. So that's saying that you're doing a better job, number one, of putting more quality clients in the sales funnel. But then number two is you're doing a better job in the process of closing those deals. And what tells you that? Well, you look at the next metric and that is the, um, the time that a sale is in the sales funnel has been decreasing. It used to take you 40 days to close a deal. Now you're looking at 32. Also, is you're looking at margin per sale. In other words, you're looking at for a standard offer, let's say you have a, a landscape maintenance contract, um, they sell by the square footage, um, and you notice that you have not, do, have not done any price discounts in order to get the business. So your margin should be there. So all told, this is pretty good news for tomorrow's meeting. Now you turn around, you look at your, your project manager software, and you're looking at your operational reports. And what you've been doing is you've been challenging your workforce, uh, your managers specifically, um, to improve everything that they do by 10%. By the way, if you've never done it before, 10% is a lay down. If you've been doing it for a while, it might get a little bit more challenging. And so what the management team is, they looked at the scheduling process, which in landscape industry is critical, but it's true in any industry. 80% of your gross margin comes from how well you schedule. And they've changed how they're doing scheduling. And what they were able to do is they were able to free up some time in the process. And now on landscape maintenance, they've been able to get an extra client in every day, which means a better margin on that particular work. The more work you can do in a day, the better you're doing. They also noticed that on the irrigation side, because of the length of the installations, they've been able to get the jobs done quicker and people coming back. And what you've done is you decreased your labor hours. All told, as you look at your margins uh, from 
last week compared to this week, it looks like you got about a 3% improvement. All wonderful news uh, for the meeting tomorrow. Now, the owner decides that on the marketing issue, I, I might want to get a little bit more information. So they make a call to marketing and they say, hey, what's going on? And what marketing explains is, and this is critical here, is that they explain that they're trying a different process to go after these high-end customers because they think the higher cost of sales will be justified because of the higher margins in the business. And the key question that the owner asks the marketing person is, tell me how you arrived at that decision. Because what you want to understand is how people are making decisions. This is a mindset issue. You don't want to get on their case about the decision itself or, hey, I wouldn't have done that type of comment. You want to explore their thinking because that then tells you whether or not they have all the tools required to do the job. And if you're not happy with it, you can say, okay, I'd recommend next time. Here's a couple other things to consider in your decision process. But you got the job. It's your decision to make. I'll go with that. So it's 2 in the afternoon. The owner's gone through the reports. He pretty much knows what is going to happen tomorrow. And so uh, he goes out or she goes out and decides to knock down nine holes in the afternoon. Now, the next day is Friday. And the Friday meeting is the critical piece here because the Friday meeting happens every Friday at the same time for the same period of time. And the Friday meeting is a meeting where the owner sits in. The owner does not run the meeting. In fact, if the owner has what I would call a quarterback. And what the quarterback is, is somebody who's going to manage the meeting, prepare everything for the meeting and manage it. And it's a position that is an honorary position. And it's given to the person who's done the most to help other people meet their goals and objectives. And I mean, what I mean is other people at their level. So if a manager in one department is having trouble and, and they go to somebody, which by the way, you'll find out in the meeting, um, those are the people you want to put in it. The, the, the most prestigious position in the company, in management, I should say, is the person who gets to be the quarterback on the meeting. So you get to sit back in your customary chair and you got your notepad and you might take notes and you may not. And the meeting starts and we go from person to person and what gets discussed. Well, the first thing that doesn't happen is you don't talk about emails or correspondence or policy changes or anything of that nature that could have been handled in one-on-one -on -one conversation or emails. You take that crap out of the meeting. The meeting is not to pass information. The meeting is each person goes around the table. Each manager who's managing a piece of your business goes, starts with, here are the decisions I made this week. Let me say that again. These are the decisions I made this week. The second thing they talk about is if they went to anybody else to get help with that, they say, you know, and I had a, I had a challenge on this and I went to see so-and-so to help me on the scheduling and they gave me the support. I, they gave me what I needed. We were able to change this so that we could get irrigation uh, labor hours down on jobs, something of that nature. And those are the things that you record as you're listening to people around the table. You're listening to how they think. And there may be some places where you want to help them, which will be done one-on-one. -on -one. And you also want a list of who's doing the most to build teamwork and camaraderie around these managers. Now, there's something else that's happening here, and it's far more subtle. And what that is, is that you are, you are looking at who are future managers, because what everybody knows, if you, because you told them, is that your location in town is such is that you can't cover the entire area from one location. It creates too much windshield time to drive uh, up and back between uh, accounts. 
So you're planning to open up a center on the opposite side of town, which will then will service those accounts that you really haven't been able to go after. And so you're looking for who is going to be available to take these other positions. As it goes around the table, you basically don't say very much. You allow the people to talk about what they're doing, okay? And then at the end of the meeting, um, what you now have is a meeting that's ended on time. You have some information about how people think you may want to schedule a meeting after this to have some conversations. But basically what you've got is a handle on what's going on. And what you've done very quickly is you have aligned your management team to the goals and objectives of the business. You have focused them on efficiencies, you focus them on results, and you're rewarding teamwork. Now, let me stop and, and say this as, as we close out this uh, podcast, and that is that this is not only quite possible, it happens all the time, and a lot of the clients that we work with, this is what we're moving them to. The most difficult obstacle is the owner themselves to be willing to take the risk here because, again, we get back to this control issue. See, I'm not sure that I can do that. I feel like I'm having a loss of control. And that there are a lot of a lot of owners that struggle with that. I'm saying don't because all we're doing is replacing control mechanisms, and so with other control mechanisms. So that that is where to start because if I do that, then I can do the other things that are going to be a part of this series. So our next show uh, for Green Industry Pros on growing your own managers. Why do most supervisors, managers, and executives fail? And I mean when I say executives, owners fail. And we're going to talk about the skill mix required in order to get this done because there are logical leaps where we promote people for the past and we promote them into positions of incompetence. It happens all the time. Um, how, do, how do I handle that? The third show, third article is going to be how do I identify future supervisors and managers? How do I see the people that I really want to invest in not only to develop them in the roles they're in, but to develop them for future leadership in the company. The fourth show and article is going to be around uh, doing painless training and development. What does that look like? How do I do this without spending all the time and money? I have to invest, but if I'm intelligent, I can do that within the context of the business. Fifth show is I'm going to come back to where we started this, and it's how to think. What is the core of leadership and management? We're really going to help create a common mindset because if everybody in the leadership position in the company shares the same mindset, especially for approaching problems and decisions, we'll get the alignment that we need in the business. Uh, number six is though, you know, sixth show in the sixth article, even though we said that this is going to be uh, around growing your own, uh, I'm going to answer the question of what's the right mix of insiders and outsiders? Because I think there is some advantage to occasionally pulling somebody off the street somebody from a, another company or from another industry and bringing them in. And what does that mix look like? Okay. And then I'm going to conclude this with what are some of the more unconventional sources for hiring? So if you decide that you're going to bring a small number of outsiders in, where can I look for those where perhaps Mike, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I want you, uh, or if you've listened to the show live on uh, blog talk radio, this is our life channel. William Eastman, uh, program director for that. I appreciate you listening and have a great business week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.